0: This podcast is brought to you by Barrier Break Solutions Private Limited and Score Foundation.
1: Hi, my name is George Abraham and uh, welcome to this edition of IWay Conversation. My guest today is Ekinath Khedekar. He's been in the corporate world for over 10 years. He's also a person involved with Lawn Tennis for the Blind. Welcome, uh, Ekinath. Um, Good to have you on the show.
2: Same here. Thank you very much, George.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Ekinath, um, this Lawn Tennis for the Blind, how did you get involved with it and what is it all about? How how do blind people play
2: tennis? I got introduced to it in the UK while studying... uh, uh, for MSA Sustainability at uh, UCL, London. The fundamental uh, change is the ball. So the ball uh, has some small uh, uh, bearings um, which make jingling noise while it travels even in the air. Court is much smaller. And how they feel uh, the orientation of the service line, the, uh, the uh, baseline is we have these uh, ropes uh, stuck to the court Surface, and uh, we can feel it even if you're wearing uh, good shoes, canvas shoes. Now, about the uh, uh, rackets, because the ball currently is being manufactured by just one manufacturer and it's a delicate one, we cannot use the usual senior racket. So, we use junior rackets, a smaller versions, lighter versions of say 21, 23, 25 uh, inches size. So, uh, so I, I really took up, you uh, know, got hooked up to the game. Uh, played well and um, also had the opportunity to play in the uk regionals uh, and then came back introduced in india
1: ekinath uh, you've uh, worked with reliance power for nearly 10 years can you uh, kind of briefly tell us what was your journey in reliance power like and what were the kind of responsibilities and uh, uh, work that you did there
2: initially i joined their corporate strategy team I uh, was a finance uh, grad from the B school, so gave my best. But in corporate uh, uh, situation, George, time is an essence. And corporate strategy, unfortunately, was the most demanding of the departments in my uh, organization. And uh, we would need to complete some assignments in like 30 minutes, 40 minutes. So even nobody could challenge the accuracy of my work or, you know, the quality, but I was slower than able-bodied B grads so uh, I decided that no I, I want to perform where I'm 100% and I sat down with my boss and we recognized that hey listen uh, I have passion towards law also I have done my LLB along with B economics and I focused on that and power industry being such a regulated uh, industry it, it always impacts your top line and bottom line in a big way Uh, I realized that, hey, this was an important job and I'm good at it. And it gave me good recognition in the organization. And uh, by 2015, uh, I was one of the go-to persons for regulatory uh, research and advice.
1: So you also did some work in the area of solar energy
2: and uh, CSR. Because I have a nomadic tribe background, uh, I have seen how my own small hamlet getting... Uh, Affected by climate change, and I said sustainability is the is the uh, passion of my life, Uh, and that's why I finished off my MSc in uh, sustainability from University College London in 2006, uh, 16, thanks to a very generous uh, scholarship by the UK government. Came back, and that's where the story of renewables and the solar power development begins. So I wanted to quit, and my boss offered me to join. uh, he, he's a smart gentleman. He said that if you want to do work in sustainability, why not develop solar power plants because it's a clean power. And it was a very convincing argument. I joined the renewables team, uh, worked for them very for a very short time uh, because I realized that you know by then Reliance Power and uh, Anil Dhirubhai Ambani group uh, wasn't uh, doing well. We were not having enough equity to invest in new projects. Uh, so that, w- that would have been a stagnancy. So, I shifted to CSR because we had decent budgets. I wanted to get connected to people. Uh, I wanted to do well even in in the area of development. So that gave me an opportunity. And I uh, recently finished off uh, heading the CSR uh, with a a decent uh, budget to spend. Uh, We worked in the area of education, healthcare, rural development, uh, climate change, sanitation. And uh, uh, I'm glad... Uh, that I know I could do whatever I could in these four states of Maharashtra, Uttar Pradesh, MP, Rajasthan, and very very uh, backward areas uh, where we could uh, impact uh, 25,000 households. So that's where I finished first as a finance uh, professional, corporate strategy, regulatory, then solar development, and then finally CSR. And now have joined uh, a very, very reputed and uh, very. Good uh, conglomerate of uh, Wipro. Uh, I've joined Wipro Limited and uh, now I'm heading supply diversity uh, for all the geographies on planet where Wipro operates.
1: The supplier diversity, can you just uh, demystify it a little bit?
2: So, supply diversity is basically when big companies take a very responsible position saying that, hey, listen, uh, I have become big and I spend $2 billion or $10 billion or $50 billion uh, through my suppliers. So in, in case of Wipro, uh, we do a lot of manpower staffing kind of operations. We, we buy uh, stuff because we have so many offices around the world. So we, we give contracts to the, to the, say, simple example, is canteen uh, agency uh, or, or, say, transport agency. So when we spend to our vendors, can we be a little more conscious and say, listen, hey, um, can we give it to the entrepreneur, uh, this business who belongs to this section, who is Afro-American or who is historically marginalized, who is a Native American or who is a women-led entity or who is PWD-led entity. And this thought has become very big now. All the MNCs, be it Intel, Wipro, HP, Dell, uh, apple all these big companies uh, are having a global mandate to diversify their supply chain csr has been mandated by law and companies think about csr only when they make profits because that's what law says if you make yeah. profit then you spend 2% of your last 3 years average profit right?
1: right it's
2: not part of your main business any any person who understands finance will understand looking at the pnl profit and loss sheet that hey This comes at at the bottom, at the last. But supply diversity is like you are integrating the marginalized right in your business. You're saying, hey, listen, uh, we are going to go on a a tour for economic growth. Do you want to come along? And and you give a fair chance to that disadvantaged uh, uh, individual or a business saying you have a chance to present your case. And let's see if you can get involved in our supply chain and prosper with us. So I find this role very exciting. Of course, the magnanimity of this role is that it's it's all pervasive. It's in major geographies of the world. And I hope to contribute whatever way I can, because it comes from the very core of my belief that whatever solutions as PWDs or any marginalized want, is we want to be in the mainstream.
1: You are highly educated. You've got several degrees. You have got two graduate degrees, one in economics, the other in law. You have a postgraduate degree in uh, management uh, from a prestigious the Bajaj Institute in Mumbai. Uh, you also have um, a, a master's degree from the University College of London. So I just wanted to have um, your thoughts on, uh, or you, I'd like you to share your experience of studying in a, in a special environment and in a, in, a, in, a, in a kind of inclusive environment.
2: I think, George, that's a very uh, critical and uh, very uh, important question to be asked in current situation in Indian setup. Uh, In Indian setup is a very underlined uh, uh, phrase because uh, many of my friends suggest that, you know, integrated schooling, that is a PWD child going to the school is okay. But ask me, ask me a child who who did not uh, who grew up in a very very acute poverty situation who grew up uh, with family uh, where not a single member was had studied more than 10th standard uh, who was growing up in slums uh, who uh, did not have father to guide him uh, for such a situation i think uh, my school happy home school for the blind was a big boon uh, and I'll try and explain that, uh, reason being, I could meet my friends who are from better families. Uh, they came up from s- families where their parents were educated, they could talk. So I was exposed to something better than the condition that I was living in. So right. I, I tell my friends, you know, George, uh, uh, thank goodness, I mean, blindness happened. Maybe, maybe, otherwise I would have been a, uh, maybe another goon in my slum. So, uh, because that was the traits initially, Right. and my mother also said the same thing. So, I do not want to glorify uh, disability, but I would say that really depends. We need to have a mixed system. Our country thrives on everything's mixed. So I think situation where a child is able to play like an equal, can find systems and friends who are like him, is very important for his confidence and his growth. At the same time, uh, can he go and study in a mainstream school and get exposed to the subjects which, which this uh, schools meant for visually impaired don't Uh, teach that I am aware of. For example, I was good in arithmetic mathematics but my school for whatever reason wouldn't teach us mathematics beyond 7th standard. What about your time in uh, college? Someone uh, who had come to our school as a volunteer to teach English said if you want to learn, if you want a job, because that was always my worry. I wanted a job to help my mother and if you want a job, you want to learn English and if you want to learn English uh, you should go to an environment where people speak English. And then St. Zavis was selected and it turned out to be a paradise, we got good support uh, in the form of uh, XRCVC, that is Xavier's Re- Resource Center for Visually Challenge. In fact, we were the founding beneficiaries, if I can say. Uh, so that experience just uh, helped me compete. And then uh, competing in MBA school was a completely different experience, George. Not because of my disability, but the, the streams. So in Xavier's, very high standard of uh, uh, ethics, very, very high standards of uh, sincerity toward education, towards attendance. Whereas when I went to MBA and I saw uh, nothing mattered, what mattered is coming at at the top, uh, be it through whatever means. And that was very unsettling. And uh, thanks to MBA, I got a job. But uh, the one education, George, I have done not for practical reasons for something i really wanted to learn is my msc from university college london i did mba because someone said hey you want to earn five times more you need to do mba you'll get a good package i did it uh, someone said uh, you want to learn english go to uh, go to saint xavier's college i went to saint xavier's college uh, law and msc sustainability i have done just because i like the subjects and uh, i was lucky to get to this Chevening scholarship uh and and uh, UK was absolutely a stunning experience. what is uh, a conceptual understanding of basic things which which in an Indian system just you know rush off uh, that was not the case. The system itself is very rigorous so it 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 kind of induces you to do the course in a very deep rigorous manner. it, it you cannot get away. you just can't get away by... Mugging up stuff for two hours and writing papers. So that was a different experience. Again, wonderful uh, support, very accessible systems, uh, very friendly environment. And yes, uh, boy, uh, living in London, a developed uh, uh, country, was uh, absolutely a, a life changing experience for me in true sense.
0: If you know of anyone with vision impairment, who needs guidance on living life with blindness please share the iway national toll free helpline number 18005320469 the number is 18005320469
1: You know, uh, while uh, any conversation with you will not be complete, if we do not speak about your uh, passion for uh, the outdoor, uh, you've talked extensively about your uh, interest in running half marathons, your interest in cycling, your interest in um, swimming. Uh, How did you get interested in all this? And uh, tell us a little bit about how you actually go about these things.
2: Sure. Uh, George, uh, you know, all those things uh, sounds good. You know, MBA from J.B.I.M. is a top five, B, top uh, B-school, achieving uh, Scholar of the UK government, the first Indian blind, and uh, everything is all right. Uh, but then the child which grew in slums doesn't go away. Uh, those tough uh, experiences don't go away. It does not mean that I brood over it. I, 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 I really... Enjoy that whatever I've lived. And bottom line I realized you know at the age of uh, this uh, juncture uh, and decent achievements is that one needs to be happy. That's it. It doesn't matter. If it doesn't matter if you're working in a, uh, as a telephone operator or you're working in a bank or you're working in some wonderful Wall Street uh, investment bank, you need to be happy. And I realized my happiness lied in uh, nature. My happiness lie uh, in outdoors uh and i i was always uh, sporty um, even during board exams as i said i used to play cricket uh, then in during college i took up half marathons i used to go trekking it gave me pleasure in sports and i took a big time when i came to the uk uh, i said this will be the tool for me uh, to promote inclusive sports so as a student there was one time when i fought for uh, access to sweaty books but now it was for visibility it was for mainstreaming it was for simple conversations that uh, pwds can have with uh, able-bodied part of the society and the sports is a wonderful enabler i've seen Uh, so how i go about doing is you know while working with reliance i would work for six days and i will just have one day but i'll make sure that i get up early in the morning go for uh, practice run hard or go for cycling so thanks to ABBF, Adventures Beyond Barriers Foundation, they have introduced uh, 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 stand-up cycling. I went from Pune to Goa. Uh, of course, this happens after a lot of training in the gym or outdoors. Uh, but uh, that uh, stand cycling is a very new, known game or known sports in Mumbai at least. Uh, we have regular uh, cycling uh, uh, expeditions happening now. Uh, so Manali to Khardungla is one beautiful experience. Uh, ABBF facilitated it out and out, but we had to train really hard to to explain you the challenge or the excitement of it is, I'm not sure how many uh, of our listeners must have experienced high altitude sickness. Yeah. Where, you know, yeah. So maybe George, you're very sporty. You must have experienced it. But when you are not able to breathe, even walking few steps, Few paces become difficult, and we had taken up this expedition where we'll go from Manali to Khardungla, about 560 kilometers or so, uh, from the height of uh, three and a half, four thousand uh, feet to eighteen thousand feet. Wow! So, yeah. So, but that was a memorable experience. Right from Manali or Kulu Valley to chinab and its tributaries and those gushing waterfalls um, cold uh, barren lands uh, exp- description by friends cited friends my 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 pilot as we call it my navigator so so how it works is this is a tandem cycle friends and you uh, know up those cycle you know the front cycle you remove the back wheel the uh, the hind cycle you will remove the front wheel and you join it that's yeah. how the tandem cycle leaves. It has single chain, two pedals, two seats and uh, front handle is movable. So, the navigator, the able-bodied person sits on the front seat but you are the stoker. You have to make sure that you, you, you pedal as good or better than your pilot. So, my pilot was an Australian 65-year-old, fittest man of that age I've seen. We had a wonderful time, 10 days, continuous uh, cycling every day. Of course, not for 24-7 but every day for five hours, eight hours. Uh, But uh, I've seen perhaps the best part of our country uh, in terms of weather, uh, beauty, everything.
1: Yeah. During the course of our conversation, uh, several times you did mention about your difficult uh, background a difficult childhood. Uh, Can you uh, kind of uh, talk a little bit about the childhood? Because I think Uh, I would like our listeners to know that uh, the starting point in life doesn't really matter. It is more to do with your own aspirations, your own effort, and your willingness to challenge yourself. So I think it's very relevant for our audience to know the kind of background you actually started life from.
2: Uh, I was born in a, 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 a caste. Now, we can't get away with caste in India. And I was born in a nomadic tribe caste very close to Mumbai in a place called Chaplun. But uh, even the literacy, now illiteracy literacy rate is very low. Uh, and unfortunately, I lost my father at the age of two. Uh, and that made things worse because uh, uh, my mother was not educated and she had to bring up four children in, in, in a very uh, backward area of Mumbai, slum area. And now, when I was five, six year old, we uh, realized that it, hey, I couldn't see the board, and then blindness was a reality of life. Uh, I I could see a little, uh, but not good enough to study in school. So, uh, all those tough times that all the uh, disabled uh, folks go through, uh, acceptance, uh, you know, uh, marginalization, um, the prospect of life, and Because my family was not exposed to uh, all the development happening in the area, we were really worried. But uh, as I said earlier, that uh, once my vision kept reducing and I reached a stage by fifth standard where I just could not uh, continue in the mainstream school, Marathi Medium School, I was uh, admitted to Happy Human School for the Blind in Worli. And uh, that was a boon. Because suddenly I had hope. Um, I had you know children with similar abilities or disabilities and we could play we could it it was a happy life it was I I call it my Hogwarts because that were that founded my uh, takeoff Uh, in a couple of years uh, I was as good as any happy or might Uh, you you will realize that in mainstream school I was demotivated for whatever reason, small comments and whatever but happy home i realized that hey listen some volunteer is very encouraging with that smiling face and telling you listen you want a job uh, uh, child you need to learn english and you're smart and those encouragements really help thanks to uh, you no know, volunteers like wash me boat uh, that's why volunteerism is, is so important that you never know whose life you will touch but this uh, wonderful ladies and gentlemen did touch my lives and i said hey listen if you want to help my mother Uh, If I want to help my sisters, my family, I need to do better.
1: Ekirath, it was wonderful speaking with you. It was, um, uh, your story is, uh, uh, I shouldn't be using the word, uh, inspiring. But it is truly inspiring and motivating. You started uh, several yards behind the starting line, but you have caught up with the world. And uh, you have greater power and uh, you keep running the race of life with gusto, energy and be happy and bring happiness to many people. Thank
2: you very much. Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Thank you.
0: To support our work with the Blind and Visually Impaired, you can visit the donate page on our website www.scorefoundation.org.in Please note www.scorefoundation.org.in This podcast was brought to you by Barrier Break Solutions Private Limited and Score Foundation.